The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think and feel and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. And today's show is brought to you by Amio. Amio is a travel booking platform that makes planning a journey in Europe and North America effortless. Just enter your travel details and Amio will magically give you all the train, bus, flight, and ferry options for your journey. It's never been simpler to book your first real vacation for 2021. Best of all, using Amio saves you time and money, and that's a win-win in our books Amio wants to help you leave your house this summer by offering 5% off your next booking. Just head to Amio.com and use the code O-M-I-O-5 at checkout. Valid until July 31st for new users on all modes of transport. It's just the pick-me-up 2021 needs. Amio, plan, book, and love the journey. Terms and conditions apply. All right, guys, guys, radio, we've got a great show for you today. Imagine finding out the real inside story about Men in Black. We've all seen the Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones movies. They're hilarious where the two guys show up with the black suits and the white shirts and the black ties and the black fedoras. And like, aren't they cute? Aren't they fun? But in real life, if these guys show up in front of you, is it a good thing? We're going to find out. We're also going to discuss Nick's other new book about the mysterious death of Marilyn Monroe. Do we, did we get all the information? What really happened there? Nick is the most sought-after UFO uh, expert, and he's considered uh, what they call him is the UFO's public enemy number one. He's constantly digging, whether it's Sasquatch, flying saucers, excuse me, alien abductions, and much, much more. We've got the well-known Nick Redfern on our show today. He's my special guest. I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation. Okay, so what's going on out there? We're midsummer. Summer, as always, is flying past us, and I hope you're getting out there and having a good time. And I know if you turn on the news, everything's still crazy with people were relaxing and figured, oh, the, the COVID thing's fine, and now this Delta variant has propped up, and there's all kinds of issues with that. So stay safe, respect your neighbor, and do what you think is the right thing, and we're going to get through it. Folks, we're going to get through it. And then before we know it, it's going to be back to school, and then all the usual stuff in the fall, football and everything else. Eventually, though, things are going to get back to whatever is the quote-unquote new normal because we're not going to go back to the way it was because it's uh, there's too many things have changed. Too many of our systems are crumbling and too many of our processes aren't working like the two-party system with our government. It's just it's just reached a loggerhead where nothing nothing gets done. And it's a, it's a darn shame because I don't think that's what the framers of our Constitution had planned when they put together these amazing documents as pillars for our wonderful country. So let's respect one another and let's get this through together. 
And you know, everybody seems to be pretty triggered out there. I was going to Costco the other day with my wife and son, and we were in that gas line, and we were making a right turn when another car came from the other direction, just cut in in front of us just at the last second. And I had the right of way. And I was like, you know what? In California, people don't beat the, beat the horn or anything. And people are pretty cool about the four-way stops. But in this case, this was just really rude. So I beeped the horn, not long, just a boop, boop. And the person driving the car was a, it was a lady. And she turned to me and started yelling at me and gave me the finger. And she was about probably in her 60s. And I was like, wow. I was like, my wife and I were like laughing almost because it was like, can you imagine? She's cutting us off and she's giving us the finger. And, and this lady could see that we we're laughing. So what does she do? She takes her hands off the wheel and she gives us fingers with both hands. So I was like, wow. So anyhow, we go and get our gas and we go to Costco. And afterwards, I had to uh, get the car and I pulled up in front uh, to pick up my wife and son because my wife had to get one last thing or something. Anyhow, we, I pulled up and for about maybe 10 seconds, a car behind me gets behind me, like right behind me. They could have gone around me because to our left was the parking lot and beeps the horn. And I look and I'm like, well, OK, what's going on? Because there's plenty of room to just go past me. And this driver starts screaming at me, the audacity of you <laughs> at the top of her lungs. And everybody who's sitting there eating their Costco hot dogs and pizza looks up. What did she say? What did she say? And uh, I just let my my wife and my son hop in the car and uh, we drove off and it was like, wow, people are really triggered. So keep it in mind. I think it's just all the stress everybody's going through and don't react. Count to 10 or do whatever you have to do to keep your cool. But, you know, temperatures are rising and people are hot. So take care of yourselves, people, and peace to all and goodwill to all men. So Nick Redfern, our special guest, we're going to get into UFOs. We're going to get into Marilyn Monroe's passing and a lot, lot more right now. It's Guys Guy Radio. Guys Guys Radio, the interview portion of our show, and I've got one very special guest today. His name is Nick Redfern, and I want to tell you a little bit about him because he's a very interesting guy. He's a best-selling author, over 60 books, including Flying Saucers from the Kremlin, Roselle, UFO Conspiracies, Men in Black, Women in Black, 360 Days, Five Days of UFOs, The Black Diary, The Bigfoot Book, more and more and more books. He's a sought-out expert featured on many TV and radio shows, including Coast to Coast, Nat Geo's Paranormal, Sci-Fi Channels, Proof Positive, Travel Channels, In Search of Monsters. We're going to talk about a couple of his books today. One of them is called Men in Black, Personal Stories and Eerie Adventures. It's filled with the latest revelations on the sinister and deadly, and I say that with quotes around it, Men in Black, because it's, it's not exactly what you might be thinking after watching the Will Smith movies. We're going to get some never-before-seen witness testimony combined with papers from top UFO figures, and it's all about UFO conspiracies, government agents, strange, bizarre monsters, the occult, demonology, psychic attack. Nick covers it all. He's done, again, over 60 books. And then we're going to also talk about his new book about Marilyn Monroe called Dire of Secrets, UFO Conspiracies and the Mysterious Death of Marilyn Monroe. And then we're going to touch on some other things, too. So welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Nick Redfern. Sorry for the long introduction. <laughs> hey, Robert. How's it going? It's going great. So, um, as I mentioned, let's uh, 
we've got a lot of ground to cover. So let's start right now. Today, we're going to focus on two of your books, Men in Black, Personal Stories of Eerie Adventures, and your latest, Diary of Secrets, UFO Conspiracies, and the Death of Marilyn Monroe. So before we get into the two books, let's talk about you a little bit, Nick, because you're an interesting guy. You've done all of this research. You were a journalist. Tell us a little bit about what drew you into investigating UFOs, the paranormal, et cetera. Well, you can probably tell that I've got an English accent. <laughs> no surprise there. <laughs> but, um, I grew up in the UK and my uh, father spent time in the British Royal Air Force, which is the equivalent of the US Air Force here. And he was a radar mechanic and he was involved in the 1950s in three UFO events where the pilots were tracking these high-flying fast-moving objects towards the English coastline, and nobody knew what these things were. They were performing all sorts of bizarre uh, movements and speeds, and it became, became a definitive UFO. And um, not only that, uh, there was a series of encounters um, over the course of three nights. On the second night, um, pilots were sent up, military pilots, and they were seeing the same thing that the radar guys were picking up from the ground. And everybody was told, you know, you won't talk about this. Uh, this is a, a classified uh, security issue. And my father did not say anything until um, I was about 11 or 12 years old. And, um, and when my dad told me the story, it really fascinated me, not just because of who he was as my father, but also because he was trained in the military. And it really fascinated me. And so when I was about 12, 13, started to um, read books on the subject. And when I finished school, um, got into journalism, um, in uh, um, magazines, um, newspapers, articles, a lot of um, music uh, magazines, that kind of thing, which I still do quite a bit of now. And... Um, and so that really got me involved in this whole situation from when I was just a kid. And um, I decided, well, you know, if there's a mystery to be found, why not try and find it? So. Fantastic. Well, you've, you've done a lot of books on a lot of different topics, and a lot of them have been about men in black. So let's start there, because everybody, I think, uh, the, the mass uh, consumer and consciousness is aware of the term men in black. They've seen the Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones movies and, you know, the dudes with the black suits and the black ties and the white shirts and the sunglasses. But it's a lot more than that. Where, where did this whole mystery begin and what's it really all about? Because I was fascinated when I read your book because it was nothing like what I was thinking going into it. A lot of people say that. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why they say that um, is because, you know, the, the Men in Black movies, when they came out in the 1990s, most people, unless you were actually involved in the UFO subject, you wouldn't have heard of the MIB, um, you know, back in that period, 1997, 1998. And in the movies, um, Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones, they're presented as sort of like secret agents of this secret agency. Um, but if you go back and look at the, the, the long history, the real history of the genuine uh, Men in Black, it's very much different to what we get to see in the movies. Now, you know, Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones, you know, the, the movies are good fun. Um, the reality, though, is very, 
very different. And it all began in the early 1950s with a guy named Albert Bender. Albert Bender lived in Bridgeport, um, Connecticut, and he opened a UFO group uh, called the International Flying Saucer Bureau. And it went on for a long time. He got a lot of um, enthusiasts that, um, that applied to his news work and um, his letters were, you know, he'd have letters coming to his house, you know, all the time, you know, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of letters from people, um, you know, months and months. And he decided, well, you know, I'm going to do more than just a newsletter. And he set up the IFSB, as I said, and um, he really had a, a following all around the world. And suddenly he decided to shut it down. And he said, I'm done. I'm not doing anything else. Now, at first, the, the thought was this was kind of in a way to try and find a way to boost, um, you know, publicity. Kind of like, you know, your favorite band says, you know, we're going to retire. So you better all come and see us now. <laughs> And then five years later, you know, they come back again. <laughs> Everybody's in that kind of scenario. And, um, and that's what it was like, uh, or people thought that's what it was like with Bender, but it wasn't. He did walk away from the UFO subject. And at first he wouldn't tell anybody, even his close friends, why he was done with it all. It turned out these three um, men dressed in black had knocked on his door one night and threatened him to leave the UFO subject alone or else. And um, he, Bender basically went along with the or else and walked away. Now, the important thing is that the MIB in the 1950s, when the whole thing kicked off, did not look like or act like government agents. They had sort of pale skin, gaunt, almost anorexic looking and according to Bender, that they had these sort of shining, glowing eyes. And they looked sort of more, you know, sort of demonic than extraterrestrial. And um, so that's how the whole thing began. Okay. But yeah. bit by bit over the time, you know, it became a story of secret agents, but it actually didn't begin like that at all. In your opinion, because you've done the most work exploring and investigating, are they interdimensional? Are they aliens? Are they working with the government, working with black ops, working with the military, mm -hmm. secret space program? Or are they working with off-planet forces that are looking into uh, interests in this planet? Well, I mean, that's a good question because there are multiple different theories and of course, well, what we assume, there can't be just, you know, there can't be five or six different theories for what the men in black might be. Uh, or maybe it's possible, I don't know. But what I can tell you is that the most popular theories are sort of extraterrestrials in disguise, which sounds really kind of crazy. But the fact is, um, people like Albert Bender and um, Gray Barker, another early um, MIB investigator, they both saw the MIB and they said it was almost as if whatever these entities, these creatures were, it was as if they were trying to camouflage their appearance, almost sort of uh, putting these wraparound sunglasses to hide these huge bulging eyes they've got. And um, their skin looked kind of plastic. 
Um, so a very strange situation. But the main theories are they're extraterrestrials. Um, one of the interesting theories is that the men in black are time travelers and they come back, they're sort of um, almost like scientists, you know, to come back and see what was going on in the 20th century. And maybe they didn't know much about the 20th century because they were so far ahead. And so perhaps they just decided to use the one costume that would uh, work well, namely a black suit and a fedora hat, you know, for the, uh, the 1950s. Um, and then you've got some sort of more controversial theories like, um, you know, could they be demons, that kind of thing, or something with an occult um, aspect to it. So you've got a lot of different theories and angles. And, of course, you know, the, you've got some people who think that, you know, there is a genuine sort of secret agent side. And I think there's, there is something to that as well, because back in the 1950s, when people like the FBI and the CIA were very deeply um, investigating UFOs back then, you know, the, the clothing for the guys back then was suits and fedora hats. So I think some cases were genuine MIB cases, but others were just FBI guys with a suit and a, and, um, and a hat. It's interesting because a lot of times it seems like they show up if people have seen UFOs and they want to keep it quiet and they kind of scare the people just by their appearance and their vibe. Yet, if they were aliens, why would they be doing that? Or maybe there is a reason if they're aliens for, for doing that. But I guess, I guess my question is really, is there any documented evidence, either written or photos and videos of these men in black in action? And for you, Nick, have you ever personally encountered one? I haven't encountered one, but one of the weird aspects of ufology is when you start getting into investigating the MIB phenomenon, people start to get weird phone calls in the middle of the night and strange noises and electronic noises, things like that. And I've noticed that every time I've started to work on a new MIB book, uh, which I've done four and one on the women in black, I've started to get that kind of situation. And I think one of the, well, one of the more intriguing theories is that they do that deliberately, kind of like an, an intimidation type of situation. Um, but, you know, I'm not easily, um, you know, scared or worried or whatever. I just keep push on and going and going and going, you mm -hmm. know. But, but that has happened to a lot of people. They've seen a UFO and then somebody turns up on the front door and says, you know, I'm here to take a, a census um, paperwork, you know, we need to uh, fill you to fill out this form for the government. And then they start asking all these weird questions, you know, that go far beyond the average um, census form. You know, they start asking questions like, have you had any strange dreams? And even the government doesn't ask that kind of question, you know. So, okay. um, so things like that do happen. Um, but yes, so many people who've had UFO encounters have had this sort of ominous knock on the front door and um, and you've got the pale guy standing there asking, you know, what did you see last night? That kind of thing. Fantastic and phenomenal and really interesting. Nick Redfern's my special guest on Guys Guys Radio. We're talking about Men in Black. We're going to get to some other subjects, including the death of Marilyn Monroe and what was behind that. And also we're going to talk about some other kind of top of mind UFO oriented projects that are 
maybe going on out there. So Nick, is this MIB, is it strictly, a, is it a U.S. phenomena? Does every major country either invest in these assets or have imported MIB episodes going on? Actually, that's a good question because, I mean, a lot of people assume, again, from the movies, that it is just an American um, situation. Now, it did begin um, in the late 1940s, early 50s in the United States with Albert Bender in, in Connecticut. However, um, there was a large wave in the early 1950s in New Zealand and Australia. And interestingly enough, just like Bender, it happened um, when you had um, UFO enthusiasts in New Zealand and Australia looking for UFO data and investigations, and then they got the threats as well. Um, in the UK, it largely began in the early 1960s, and since then, it sort of spread everywhere. You can find them just about all around the world. Uh, a lot of reports uh, from Mexico um, and Canada, they had a wave in the 1970s. So uh, you don't really know where they're going to come from and what they want, you know. So in your opinion, uh, along that line, is the government, our government, U.S., afraid of aliens? Or is this whole MIB and the whole disclosure system, is it about controlling information and shaping public opinion about UFOs and aliens? I'll give you an example. I know there's some disclosure coming out now, and it sounds like it's been like watered down a little bit, like, well, there's some things we can't explain. And then last night, and I know how Hollywood kind of always kind of tips us off to things. And I watched this movie, The Tomorrow War, and it came straight out of uh, an episode I saw on Gaia about the secret space program. What do you think of all of that and the fact that Hollywood seems to be maybe tipping us off to some of these things and helping shape the government's desire for how they want us to view the prospects of alien disclosure? Well, that's a good point because, I mean, right now, you know, we are in this sort of wave of UFO interest um, all around the world. And predominantly, it's because of the revelations coming out of the, the U.S. government and the military and the intelligence community. You know, I think most people, whether they're interested in the UFO subject or not, they've seen these recent uh, pieces of footage taken by pilots. And, you know, and the pilots are like, wow, what's going on, you know? And I think that really um, you know, made a lot of people sit up who had no previous interest in the subject. And what's particularly intriguing, one theory, um, is the idea that the world of entertainment, movies, TV shows, the media, the press, um, may be sort of in cahoots with government agencies as a means to try and plot to uh, sort of climatize us to the idea that UFOs and aliens do exist. Um, because, I mean, although it all sounds very exciting, the fact is, if the UFO phenomenon is real, which I think it is, um, we don't really know what they are. We don't know what their agenda might be. So I think the government is taking things very carefully as a means to acclimatize us to the idea of getting used to the idea of seeing strange, strange things in the sky. Um, now, there is a rumor which has been around for a long, long time that when back in 1951, 
um, one of the best UFO movies called The Day the Earth Stood Still. Um, there were rumours at the time that the government had helped to fund the movie as a means to get people climatised to everything, like a kickstart. And um, that would not surprise me, you know. That was the Ke Keanu movie? Well, that, that was the remake, right. yeah. Okay. okay. The, there was actually the original one in 1951. But, you know, if the government actually doesn't know all the answers, which I don't think they do, you know, they may have a lot of data, a lot of photographs, footage, and who knows, they might even have dead alien bodies on ice, you know, 50 feet under Area 51 or something like that. Now, if the government, because we always think, people tend to think, you know, the government knows everything, they, they're clear on everything that's going on, but that may not be the case. Even the government might be significantly out of the loop in terms of having answers. And, you know, and if the president has to stand up one day and say, well, yes, we know there are UFOs, but we don't know what they are, we don't know where they come from or what their agenda is, that kind of response from the president could actually frighten a lot of people because they're expecting, you know, a comfortable um, answer. And we may, we may not have comfortable answers, you know. I mean, it could be something along the lines of ET, or it could be Independence Day, you know. <laughs> they're either cuddly aliens or they're here to destroy us, possibly. You know, that's a good point. And I think, you know, I understand if the, the government's man, I understand that the government is managing the information carefully as they yeah. they should. So this is not a, a slag against that effort. But you would think, on the other hand, that if aliens were here to destroy the Earth and they had technology that was far in advance than we have, and it seems like through those ships or whatever those objects are flying around, whether it be in the air or diving into the ocean, whatever, that they could probably have their way pretty easily. So it sounds like it's a little bit of crowd control going on and we're going to get the drip, drip, drip for a while longer. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I mean, I think if they did want to destroy us, they would have done it before we would have something like nuclear weapons where at least we could fight back, you know. But And so because they didn't do that specifically, makes me think they're not um, on a road to destroy us. Um, maybe they're scientists. Um, Maybe they're historians and maybe they're like us. You know, there's multiple different reasons why they might be here. Maybe it's the planet. I mean, if you think of like Mars, pretty much, you know, a, a dead world, Mercury, you know, it's like a huge stone. Um, if you think about it, so far as we know, um, the Earth is almost unique in terms of you know, the incredible uh, diversity of life forms and things like that. Um, so maybe they're coming here to see the world. Um, <laughs> and of course, you know, we'd, we'd probably think, oh, they're coming to see us. You know, it's like, that's our ego. Well, of course, they're coming to see us. You know, <laughs> As we're here. Do you think that aliens may have played around with uh, human DNA way back uh, from your investigations? way back in the beginning and how the earth and how human beings were formed and all the different races and all the different types around the world and the people with the kind of the elongated skulls and remnants of like giants that have mm -hmm. lived here. What, what, what do you think that's all about? Well, yeah, I mean, that sort of takes us back to the ancient astronaut phenomenon, you know, going back thousands and thousands of years ago 
where you know you can find multiple ancient texts and manuscripts uh, where people saw strange lights in the sky and you know you have the giants coming down from the sky you know in these sort of shining machines and um, if you look at it from the one perspective you could quite easily place this into sort of a, a UFO arena or UFO angle. Now, of course, this provokes a lot of controversy, particularly when you bring religion into the situation. I mean, some people have suggested, like the Star of Bethlehem, you know, could it have been a UFO? You know, this glory, uh, this glaring uh, bright light, you know, hovering over the skies. Um, and again, also, you know, people talk about the giants in the Old Testament. Some researchers think they could be what today quite popular, the stories of the Anunnaki, uh, this supposed um, ancient alien civilization that came to the earth, possibly to use it as, um, as, a, as a means for something for their ends, or possibly, or also at the same time, um, teaching us as well. So there's okay. a lot of, lot of controversy that surrounds, you know, the, the ancient side of all this. We could go on and on, and it's fascinating. And we're just kind of throwing it out there because you're doing investigations and the exploration. I'm just asking questions that people I've heard in conversation have asked. So we just want to get your opinion. We're not we're not landing on anything specific here. So men in black, please uh, stay stay away from my building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you one little strange thing is that a lot of the men in black and the women in black. They won't come into the house unless you invite them in, which is which kind of ties in those old legends about vampires that uh, you know they can't come across the threshold unless unless you let them in. So that's an interesting crazy. little angle too. Yeah, that's why somebody told me this. Uh, uh, somebody with a spiritual background said, "I yeah. had a little sign outside my uh, flat, and they said it said welcome, and they said you got to take that down because you're inviting everything in." So I yeah. did, and I felt a real yeah. change in the energy over, over time. But let's move to your most current book, Nick. It's called Diary of Secrets, UFO Conspiracies and the Mysterious Death of Marilyn Monroe. As we all know, Marilyn Monroe died about 40, 50 years ago of uh, apparent suicide. But there's been a lot of controversy about that if uh, she'd been drinking and she took a lot of sleeping pills and mm -hmm. she was dating the Kennedys, apparently. And yeah. what's, what's, this all, what's this book all about, Nick? Well, this is probably one of the most controversial books that I've ever written. And um, the, the story itself that Marilyn Monroe may have been murdered for what she knew about UFOs, there's sort of been like an undercurrent of this going back about 30 years. Uh, but most people in ufology have dismissed it, you know, from the perspective, you know, there's just no way that UFOs, the Kennedys, Marilyn Monroe, Roswell, could all be interlinked somehow. But the more and more you look into it, you find, wow, you know, there is more to this. And the reason why this began is that back in 1995, a um, claimed leaked CIA document um, was, give, was put into the hands of a UFO researcher um, way back then, as I said, 30 years ago. And... Um, the document, if you see it, it looks like the real deal. It looks like a, a genuine CIA document. Um, it's got the headline, the 
the, the uh, font and the typewriter is perfect for that era, early 1950s through early 1960s. And the story is that it was kind of like a situation, um, you know, just sort of somebody in government, you know, disgruntled, steals a document and hands it out to the media, that kind of thing. And, um, and that's basically what we know. And the document itself talks about how, because Marilyn was having affairs with the Kennedys, and the Kennedys supposedly, uh, as a means to impress um, Marilyn, um, shared some of the um, highest classified data, such as, for example, um, th this is back in the early 60s, plans to assassinate Fidel Castro, to invade um, Cuba, things like that. And one of them being that UFOs, or back then as they were known, flying saucers, um, really do exist. And supposedly President Kennedy being taken to Area 51, which did exist back then, um, to show her the remains of the, the dead bodies of the aliens. But there are, supposedly there were other people in the intelligence community who took the view that well, this was just totally, you know, that he should not have done this. And now, you know, the story's coming out. And the, again, the, the theory or the story is that um, the fear was that Marilyn would not keep her mouth shut. And so somebody shut it for her. You know, you, you think about the Kennedys and they were in these very powerful positions. Kind of a rookie mistake to be blabbing to the, you know, the hot girlfriend about, you know, government secrets. And, you know, those, those two, the, the, the brothers, they, you know, they were both assassinated. And then you had Marilyn with the, with the overdose. It, it, it just seems like, wow, you connect the dots and it makes sense. But then you also have, you wrote about Dorothy Kilgallen, who I remember was a very popular journalist. And she started doing interviews with people like Jack Ruby. And then she, she was found dead in a, in a bed that wasn't her bed in her home and a lot of question marks there. What is your take on this? You've done all the investigations. What, do you think that Marilyn Monroe committed suicide? Well, I mean, first and foremost, what I would say is that what we know for sure is that, um, that Marilyn, you know, she did you know, have a deep interest in politics. You know, she had this very much sort of ditzy blonde angle for the movies, but she actually was heavy into politics and you know world affairs, that kind of thing. That's actually why the FBI opened a file on her, which ran to hundreds of pages, and some of them have been released. Um, and what we find is that back then, at least, more and more people who looked into this, uh, the Marilyn connection with government secrets, um, as you pointed out, more and more people conveniently or inconveniently um, died. Dorothy Kilgallen, you know, both the Kennedy brothers and so on and so on. And um, we also know that Marilyn did have what she called this diary of secrets. And um, she kept it and every little snippet that the, the Kennedy brothers gave to her, she put it in her book and uh, nobody realised until, you know, it was near the end and it was like, oh, my God, you know, she hasn't just been told these stories. She's actually been putting in all this big diary, you know, about two inches thick. It was like the U.S. government secrets. Now, you put all that together, it's actually quite feasible, really, um, given the fact that we know, 
If you look at the FBI's files, um, which you can get off the um, the FBI's website, the Vault, they talk about um, about Robert Kennedy particularly um, having uh, an affair with Marilyn JFK to a lesser degree. But if you put that all together, it actually makes a great deal of sense. Um, but also a, a tragic end as well. You think about this, and it makes you makes you wonder. With uh, the UFOs in Area 51, let me just t- turn there because you mentioned the president, President Kennedy, possibly going to Area 51. Mm-hmm. From what I've read, I've read that there's some been, been some discussion that there may be security clearances higher up than the president. What's your uh, what's your learning on that from your investigations? Yeah. Well, when they talk about higher levels, there act- what there actually is there's a there's top the secret classified top secret. And when people say sort of above top secret, it actually isn't an above top secret. Um, but what they have is the concept of need to know. So in other words, let's say both you and me are working on one program and you're working on another one and you're not allowed to talk to me about it. Basically, you would know about Project A, I might know about Project B, and the guy next door knows about Project C and so on, but they don't share the data with everybody else. So that's what you have. You know, the guy next to you literally does not know what you're working on. And that's how secrets are held and kept as well. So, um, and that's the easiest way to hide a secret is to keep it, you know, to the, the smallest number of people as possible, really. It makes perfect sense. And a lot of the stuff we're talking about in terms of the government behavior, you, you can understand what the, the the thinking is. And does it come across the right way all the time? Well, maybe not. But you got to understand that they want to, they don't want mass chaos on the planet and in the country. So they're going to try to manage the information carefully. If it's okay, Nick, we've got a couple minutes left. Can I just throw some wild, some rapid fire topics at you? And we'll just riff yeah. on those a little bit. Okay. I've had more All right. I remember what's going on, and let me preface it. I read a lot about Antarctica and Admiral Byrd going down there and with Armada, and then he being sent back north. And there's been a lot of talk about a lot of politicians heading down to Antarctica. And now you have things happening where the uh, some of the ice is melting there, and they're finding things, quote unquote, things. What's happening based on your investigations in Antarctica? Well, I mean. When you're dealing with a subject like this, you know, UFOs, Marilyn Monroe, and, you know, aliens, that kind of thing, you put it all together, you have to be very careful, you know, how you work. And I'm always go out there to, you know, to get data to, um, you know, make sure that you've got uh, multiple sources for a story, just like a, you know, a regular journalist would do on your local newspaper. And that's, you know, I try not to sort of run around like a headless chicken, you know, because another new exciting story has come out. And I've heard a lot of these stories coming out of Antarctica. And I'm not saying, um, you know, I'm against it, but I'm like, if it's controversial and it's even more controversial, well, show me what you've got beyond just your next door's neighbor happened to hear it on the internet and shared it with your uncle Jim kind of thing, you know, where it becomes like uh, Chinese whispers. You know, I've heard all these stories about Antarctica, but I want to see the evidence. 
I love I love the way you handle things because uh, you know Nick Nick does the investigation. He's not saying he's the authority on all of this stuff, and we need to respect Nick that way. So thank you for allowing me to throw some of these topics at you. I always think about the moon. Like we went up to the moon in 1969, I believe, around, around there, and then we never went back. And I've read, and some people say, well, maybe we didn't go to the moon, or we were told when we went up there. This place isn't for you. Head back. And then there's been other theories about is the moon a natural object or not? It doesn't rotate the same way as uh, you would like the Earth rotates. And it's held in its orbit by gravitational pull, but it doesn't spin. And maybe there's stuff going on on the other side or inside. And there's so many different theories that, that have been bandied about. From your investigations, what have you ferreted out about the moon? Well, there actually is some genuine, real intrigue surrounding the moon. Um, you're right. I mean, the first moon landing with people on board, uh, 1960, July 1969. And we did just a few more flights, and they finished in 1972. Now, the plans initially, uh, and you can see the plans now, were to put sort of permanent on the moon. You know, it'd be kind of like a North Pole or a South Pole output, you know, that kind of situation. And maybe there'd be 10 or 15 guys. And over time, they would add more and more to it. And eventually, you'd have something, you know, the size of a shopping mall. And uh, they'd be doing experiments, things like this. But it didn't happen. It all came to a, a shuddering um, halt in 1972, which is when the last time we put a man on the moon. Um, and so the big question is, why did they stop when, you know, we were going full ahead? You know, it doesn't really make uh, much sense. Uh, all we've really done is sent um, unmanned probes and satellites, you know, um, orbiting the, the planet itself. And um, so the, the reason for that, we don't know. But, yeah, I mean, we, I've heard a lot of these stories about some of the astronauts seeing um, UFOs on the surface of the moon as a means probably to say, hey, you know, get the hell off, this is ours, that kind of thing. Um, that wouldn't surprise me because, I mean, if aliens wanted to have sort of an outpost um, very clear to our world and keep watching it, you know, be able to watch uh, the Earth, what's the best thing to do? Well, create a base on the moon and you could just see everything we're doing. So I do sometimes wonder, you know, if the moon could be an outpost for extraterrestrials. We went there almost like it's a prestige thing to get there before the Russians. And when we got there, it's like, oh, my God, you know, we thought we were just coming to see this dead moon. And, you know, there's um, these craft on the edge of craters and things like this intimidating NASA and okay, we've got to retreat, we've got to go back until, you know, things improve and we can figure out what's going on. Let's move to uh, Mars, which for, I don't know, my whole lifetime has been like, oh, it's a dead planet, there's nothing there, there's no life, and then all of a sudden they're finding little trickles of water or life on Mars, and it's become more uh, talked about. What, from your investigations, Nick, have you learned about Mars? Well, actually, I've done a lot. Uh, last year, I had a book come out called The Martians, which is, as you can probably guess, about the Martians. <laughs> um, the publishers, I think, wanted the title kind of uh, defined, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, although, you know, we're told Mars is a dead world, 
I don't think it is. There's a lot of really weird anomalies um, on the surface of Mars. Um, for example, you know, I mean, a lot of people have heard of the so-called face on Mars, um, which looks like this gigantic um, sculpted um, head um, on the surface of Mars in an area called Cydonia. Um, however, if you Google NASA plus, uh, plus um, crowned face, you'll see an even better carved head. And now NASA say, well, yeah, looking at that, it's just like looking at clouds and seeing next door's dogs, that kind of thing. You know, we've all done that. You looked at a cloud and think, hey, look at that. You know, it looks like whatever. Um, but for me, you know, these, the crown face, uh, the face on Mars, and there's also a really weird one. If you Google, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, if you Google um, face hugger, like the face hugger on the Aliens movies, um, you'll see this weird, um, like a large spidery creature moving across the landscape. And, and again, NASA says it's just rocks in various places, making it look like a large spider. But it, it really does look like a, a huge spidery thing. Um, you know, if, it's, if it looks like a spider, if it's scuttling like a spider, it's something that looks like a Martian spider. Um, and one, one of the important things about Mars is that it has a massive amount of water in the form of, um, of water, of ice, and of vapor. And of course, on Earth, you know, everything on the planet needs water to live. Doesn't matter if you're a human, an ant, a dog, we all need water. And um, so where there's war, there's a potential, excuse me, where there's water, uh, there's potential for survival. And I personally do believe that Mars at one point was a thriving world. And you've got these various theories that maybe you know, the Martians could have destroyed themselves in a way that, God forbid, we could do. I mean, we could do it now. We could totally, in sort of 30 minutes, totally destroy civilization on the Earth. There would be just a few, five, 10 million left out of 10 billion or whatever. And, you know, there'd be nothing left. Um, and I sometimes think that maybe something like that happened. If you look... Um, not far from out, just outward from the um, from Mars, you've got the asteroid belt. One of the theories is that when the asteroid uh, belt possibly shattered, that you know you had hundreds and hundreds of gigantic um, meteorites, asteroids slamming into um, into Mars. You know, kind of like a Hollywood movie. Um, and something, you know, you you've got a situation of total destruction. So for me, Mars maybe, um, you know, still has life on Earth. I think it does. Um, we're not seeing giant cities and things like that, but we've got anomalies on the surface. Um, and I think one day we will find something. Even if we found something the size of, of a beetle, that would, in, if you think about it, it might sound strange, but that would be a case of finding a Martian you know, it's not going to be a little green man or a giant reptilian alien, but you find something and you find life on Mars. We've got, you know, evidence then that there is life beyond our planet.
Fantastic. Well, Nick, Nick Redfern, uh, you're doing great work. You've got over 60 books. Uh, the latest is Diary of Secrets, UFO Conspiracies and the Mysterious Death of Marilyn Monroe. Nick, where can people find out more about you and what's your next project going to be? Um, well, I've got a book coming out um, actually in just a few months away, and it's, uh, it's sort of an A to Z book on everything to do with time travel. So uh, you want to know about time travel? That'll be in there. And that'll be called the time travel book. So it's an easy title. <laughs> and um, people want to reach me. I've got a blog called World of Whatever. So just Google Nick Redfern, World of Whatever. Um, Twitter, Nick Redfern, UFO. And um, all my books are available on Amazon. Fantastic. Well, you did a great job, great work. And uh, you're gutsy putting yourself out there. And come back when you have the time travel book. I'd love to talk about it with you. All right. Great. Thanks. There's never been a better time for men to be whoever they want to be. Yet it's never been less clear who men really are. Guys Guy Radio, starring author Robert Manny, is on KCAA every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Whether it's relationships, sex, wellness, or spirituality, join Robert as he interviews the experts about how men and women can be at their best. Guys Guy Radio. Better men, better world. It's Guys Guy Radio. All right, an amazing conversation with the UFOologies, public enemy number one, Rick Redfern, journalist, UFOologist, speaker, author of more than 60, bo 60 books. He's a, he's a cool guy, and I think we learned a lot about Men in Black, and I guess what we, and Marilyn Monroe's passing, but I guess the, the question is, do you want to run into the Men in Black in real life? And I think the answer is probably no. And do we know exactly what happened with Mar Marilyn Monroe's passing? I would say the answer again is probably no. And will we ever find out? Who knows? Anyhow, there's so many of these mysteries, and we're all familiar with them, whether it's JFK or the World Trade Center. There's so many theories uh, that people go into, and we just don't know. We don't have enough information. There's so much conflicting information out there. There's, it's hard to tell for people. So you got to use your own nose, your own radar, your own intuition to determine what truth you want to believe and then how deeply you want to believe that truth. And I think that's what really we learned today is got to keep an open mind because one of the things I really respect about Nick is he never lands on anything and says, this is what happened. He just does the digging and puts it out there and says, here's what I found. And uh, that's good journalism. So Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening on KCAA here in Southern California. 102.3, 106.5 FM, 10.50 AM, Wednesday evenings at 8 PM. Um, we also, the show replays Sundays at 6 PM on KCAA, and the podcast and my YouTube, which we call Guys Guys TV, posts worldwide on Thursday. It's on iHeart, Apple, Google, Pandora, plus other uh, platforms worldwide, everywhere. So there's no excuse for you not to find Guys Guys Radio or Guys Guys TV, and I would ask you to, uh, to subscribe. If you could subscribe, it really makes a difference. It helps us put on more 
uh, shows for you, bringing you great guests and great content. So thank you very much for that. You can also catch me all over social media. If you want to interact, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my website, robertmanni.com. I've got over 300 blog posts about life, love, the pursuit of happiness. You can also download three free chapters of my now novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide for Love. It's about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. It uh, takes place in New York City. It's been called The Male Successor to Sex in the City. And it's really an uplifting kind of blue sky story, a trial to triumph, uh, transformation and redemption of a, a couple of modern men. So uh, it's a, it, the, the story is what I would call timeless. It takes place about 10 or 15 years ago, but the, uh, the parallels to, uh, to really the communication chasm we have between men and women are still there, if not wider today. So it's a, it's a fun, frothy read. It's a good summer read, yet it's a, it's a real book that it's, a, it's about something. It's a big, big story. So thank you so much for your, for your support there. All right, so we're going to back, be back with you next week. We've got a whole bunch of guests lined up right through. We're through October now with the guests I have. I'm interviewing them and uh, scheduling interviews, and it's just a blast. So I, I just love doing a show, and I love really doing anything I can to bring you new, interesting information via the guests I bring you each and every week who have stories to tell. And then you can determine again, as I always say on your own, to decide, is this something for you or is this something for me? Is this something I can use? And uh, surely if you listen to enough of the shows, you're going to get some information that can help you in your day-to-day life without being too intrusive. And it's all about, I want you to live your best life. It's as simple as that. So guys, guys, radio, I'm going to be back here next week. I want to thank my guests. I want to thank Noba for the theme music. I want to thank my amazing producer, Chris. And I want to say at the end of the show, like I always say, guys, guys, finish first.